This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcode.com. Welcome back to the Shortcode Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler, the guy at CCOM whom everybody wonders about what it is I actually do here. <laughs> but everyone knows what my co-hosts do here. Jaden Bowen is an MD-PhD student. Hello, everyone. Uh, Aline Sanduk is another MD-PhD student. Hello. Mark Mubarak is an M4 who's joining us via the internet during a study break. Tony Rosenberg will also hopefully be joining us via the internet. Although maybe this is the week where, where Tony doesn't join us and Mark does, as opposed to last week where Mark doesn't join us and Tony does. Mm, called out. I'm Symmetry. sorry. That. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was a time time difference that I didn't account for. Yeah, you know, the whole time zone thing. Yeah, we we figured that. But <laughs> thirty years old, still don't understand how it works. Because you're in California. Yeah. As we said last week, you're in California with your with your uh, your old lady. Yep, my spouse Sandy. It's nice to be nice to be hanging out. You're studying for uh, step two. Yeah, so much more pleasant than step one. Uh, it's just... Is it? I don't know. Something's ter- I don't know if it's maybe after going through the first experience. It just becomes... I don't know, you've normalized it, so it's less painful. But uh, yeah, I really... It's not a negative experience. It might be too. Maybe I'm just in the sunshine and happier. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what's nice is that now that you've... Uh, that you and, and Tony, apparently, have both successfully uploaded your consciousness to the cloud... Uh, <laughs> You know, maybe you've just gained some additional processing cycles as you now live on Amazon Web Services. That's I, that might be what it is. You know? Yeah, I think you're right. How is that, by the way? Just you know. merging with the Matrix was painful. Yeah, um, it's not a pleasant experience, but you know, being ephemeral, it's kind of worth it. Yeah, <laughs> I always thought it would be. You know, like just to be able to do your own thing, whatever you wanted, make your own world, <laughs> your own expanse. I was able to do that before, Dave. Oh. <laughs> okay. Are you in your jammies? No, I, I try to keep a good schedule in terms of like, uh, you know, staying on task. So I'll still wake up every morning at around like 6 a.m., make breakfast, hang out for a bit, take a shower. Um, it just kind of puts you in that mindset of like, it's time to work, not just meander through the day. Yeah, yeah. That's, I don't know. If I don't get dressed, if I don't change, uh, that's what I've realized. It'll be noon before I know it, and I, I won't know what I did for four hours, five hours. Right. And then you got to, you know, get dressed, sip on some gin and juice. <laughs> By then, the sun's going down, so I mean, right. you got to change back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, I'm glad you're able to join us. Uh, uh, as I said, Tony hopefully will join us in about uh, 10 minutes if this whole internet thing works out i have some listener questions today we've got three questions three listener questions this week from amari on youtubers applying for residency from jordan on finding great pre-med experiences uh to both learn from and support his application and from richard on how to overcome shyness and isolation in the lab to make those vital connections with physicians uh, so let's start today because we got a lot to do. Let's start today with Amari. Amari called last week, by the way. You, Aline, you'll remember. I do. Uh, she called again with a really fun question, I think, about um, med school YouTubers. Hey, my name's Amari from the beloved state of Missouri. She loves End Missouri. Of this month, I'll be an OMS one. And I have a question that I haven't really heard you guys talk about in the past. It's about YouTube channels in medical school. So I thought about starting one, even though looking at it, it looks kind of saturated, a saturated field right now. But I was looking at some good ones, quote-unquote, and some bad ones, quote-unquote. And I'm wondering if it matters 
for residency and while you're in medical school, people actually look at those kind of things when you're applying for things. So the good ones, you know, they're talking about, oh, you know, I study for the patients and I'm so inspirational and stuff like that. And then the bad ones, I don't quote-unquote bad ones, people that they kind of show drinking multiple times in a week or they say, why well, study more than I really have to? I just come here to pass the test. And I'm just wondering, like, do people actually look at this? Do people actually care? Because I was looking at it, and I, honestly, I don't think they're that bad, but if I was a residency person, I'd be taking some second glances, like, oh, I don't know. So I'd love to hear what you have to say about YouTube and medical school. As always, enjoy your podcast. Super funny. Talk to you later. Bye. That's an excellent question. Mm. Um, on the face of it, I don't know what you guys think. On the face of it, you know, you might be tempted to say, yeah, don't do that. I'm missing some information, I think, in order to properly understand. Well, what let's are these try to pretend that YouTube? we know that. I'm sorry. <laughs> What's YouTube? Is that what you're going to ask? What is the World Wide Web? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously. So what are these YouTube videos and what is the... Because when she said YouTube videos, my first thought um, is that she was asking... Is that Amari was asking about... Um, videos explaining things in med school like med school content that's but, what i would have gone to yeah okay this sounds more like vlogging yeah by med students yeah which what is the point you don't know what the world wide web is but you know what a vlog is apparently <laughs> yeah yeah she uh, i know i'm i'm an enigma hard to understand <laughs> yeah i mean do you guys do you guys ever watch these med schoolers youtubers mark I've done it for content, um, same thing. But in terms of the, the one thing I have seen a lot, just because it pops up when you hit the little on Instagram, mm -hmm. the little magnifying glass, and you can just search the world around you, just browsing. Um, I know there's it's pretty prominent these uh, medical students that are they're usually first or second years, um, you know, and they post these very nice pictures of like you know the perfectly arranged uh, notebook with the pens and all the highlighting and. You know, everything's all together. There's always a stethoscope for some reason while they're studying on the table. <laughs> uh, them. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> Straight about, up. You know, yes. Hard life of a medical student. Um, I, I think those are pretty benign. I, and just like Helene said, what's the point? Yeah. Who um, has time for that? I mean, that sounds yeah. like a lot of work. And if that was your job and you made money doing that, I could understand putting in the time. Maybe some of them do. I think some of them do because I've noticed that, you know, every once in a while you'll see like, oh, it's the same brand of stethoscope or it's like they're rocking this exact same scrubs and I'm pretty sure you got to wear the hospital scrubs. So I think they just put those on, took the picture, took them off. Yeah. I mean, there's money to be made in sponsorship, sponsorship on Instagram, especially, Huh. Um, you know, like, I mean, think of like. I mean, you could take it as, as extreme as you want in comparison, but like, look at a Kardashian, you know, like they're like, they're like always hawking stuff on Instagram, like, you know, hair products or, you know, facial stuff or, you know, whatever. And they're not doing that out of the goodness of their hearts. Mm -hmm. um, they're getting, they're making bank. It's actually the mission statement of my uh, resume right up top is uh, to be the Kim K of medicine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, you don't mean make bank? Yes. Because it's How the slowest, longest way to get to the point of making <laughs> How are you going to break the internet, Mark? <laughs> he's working on he, he's working on a really big badonkadonk. He's interviewing various plastic surgeons to see who can give him the biggest badonkadonk. You'll know when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, anywho, anywho uh, answering the question, I don't know. Um, I would be wary of, you know, I think anything you put on the internet one of the things I thought about, you know, back when I started med school with the podcast was like, ah, you know, is, this is something that'll be permanent. Uh, nothing ever goes away. Uh, would I be okay with a residency or future patient seeing it or hearing what I have to say? And I think if you're comfortable with those things, it's fine. Whether they actually like actively look it out, eh, who knows? Well, I did manage to find, I mean, there's, this is the question of YouTube searching by residency programs. Uh, doesn't seem to be well studied. We we do, there are studies that suggest up to 90% of uh, companies do internet searches on applicants. 
Um, but there was one study, for instance, or a couple of studies. Uh, one was in the Journal of Emergency Medicine, which looked relevant to you, Mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, looked at whether doing Google searches on residency applica- applicants was worth program director's time. And it found that of the 547 applicants reviewed among six programs, uh, after, they'd, after those programs had made their rank order lists, only three applicants changed position. Hmm. Um, Did it say in what direction? Two went up. Ooh. One went down. Ooh. And the two that went up did so because their search results demonstrated lots of, you know, uh, noteworthy activities, things that you want on your ARIS application. Um, and probably were included on them. Um, and the one that went down did so because their search results revealed to the program director information that called into question the applicant's overall judgment. Now, the, yeah, <laughs> the the study, I don't, it didn't say what it was. I wish it did. Um, but, you know, that would just be to satisfy my salacious uh, interests. Yes. Can I pause for a second to open up this cookie wrapper? Oh, uh, yeah. Yes! Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> I've been trying to be all slick about it the whole time, but it was... Just <laughs> open it. Okay. Just be like Casey. Casey was always... Remember Casey was always, like, rattling a cup full of ice or something? Oh, right? God, yes. Yes, she did do that. <laughs> God Got a it. jar of Werther's Originals that she's just... <laughs> <laughs> the whole time. I lo- you know what I love is, is, uh, is uh, talking about... Um, our co-hosts after they've gone on to their residency. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Casey. I hope you're doing well. I hope things are going well for you. I wonder if she still listens to the show, actually. Well, of course. Who, what? But, uh, <laughs> anyway. Okay. I take it back. Uh, the study concluded that, um, okay, so if only half a percent of applicants change position, uh, program directors had to spend an average of sec- seven seconds per applicant doing the search. Um, searches, not a good use of their time. Um, so they suggested not doing that. It kind of seems like a poor use of students' time, too. Like, you mean a, the, the, them actually doing these things? Yeah. I think it depends, but go ahead. Well, my first thought was like, I probably haven't heard of this because any free moment I had, I would devote to Netflix, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right. like professionally produced content that, you know, could, had a higher likelihood of being entertaining, but... I don't know. It seems like a lot of time and effort for potentially not a huge gain in your competitiveness. Here's why I potentially disagree with you. And it's going to depend tremendously. And it, so it depends tremendously on what it is they're actually doing. There's a guy by the name of Chubby Emu, or who goes by Chubby. I'm, I'm sure that's not his real name. <laughs> goes by Chubby Emu on uh, YouTube. He is clearly a medical learner of some sort, I suspect, a med student. Um, his initial YouTube channel, his initial content was like him pumping iron and other stuff that I can't remember. Seemed like he was sort of documenting his his um, transition from skinny nerd to, you know, buff dude. Did pretty well, too, <laughs> in that regard. But his content now is devoted to explaining medical, um, what do you want to say? I would, sort of explaining what happens when people do weird things to their bodies. Hmm. So, you know, like his one of the most recent ones I saw was, you know, um, and it's sort of like produced in a sort of medical mysteries uh, style format. You know, it's just like, what? Here's what happened when a young boy eight 130 vitamins here's what happened to his bones and then he goes through and describes the whole process all of the bio you know the pathways and biochemical processes that led to the presentation in the hospital er wherever how that you know transition from one from one thing to the other to the next thing to the next thing all of the considerations blah 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 and sort of takes you through what happened, which hmm. to my mind is useful, perhaps to him as a way to cement knowledge um, in the whole, you know, 
if you can teach it, you know it. Mm-hmm. It sounds like that has a lot of utility. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Jaden? I think if you believe you have a voice that can uh, bring something to the internet, why something, not? Maybe something <laughs> yeah. positive, even something positive. Something you know, not I raunchy. Think, something not involving poop or both. Yeah, or I think if you're going, yeah, Tony to... hasn't joined us yet. So, <laughs> hey, I'm actually here. Oh. <laughs> nice. I was waiting for the right moment, and then poop got mentioned, and it felt like the right time. Perfect. I think Aline just summoned him. It brought us on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like some dark magic, some brown magic going on. I just some I, type of magic. I only said it once. That's all it takes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I have no idea what you guys are talking about, but it sounds intense, so I'm going to listen for a minute. All right. Well, yeah, I agree. Like if you're if you're going to bring something positive, something informative, something mm-hmm. useful, some light. The internet is kind of like the bathroom stall of the earth now. <laughs> it's just so full of Yeah, smut. and I would love to walk into the bathroom and just get a little pick me up. Hey, you can do it. From the from the stall, right? Would, Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Then, yeah. I think it sounded like she was talking a lot about like the vlogs, um, and kind of internet diaries and stuff. And I think that's something you need to curate if you're going to do that with Absolutely. a with an eye towards the future. But that can also be an opportunity to really, you know, have a good message and let people know they can do it and. Uh, show the reality of your experience. I mean, yeah. we are here in the humanities office. Yes, mm-hmm. of Aline's like medicines. So. Aline's like, I don't know if this is a good idea. As she talks into a microphone to the internet, <laughs> <laughs> that no, that I, was not lost on me. Yeah, I. <laughs> this is why every show Aline has like three things that I need to edit out from something she said. <laughs> Dave, I I said hello. I don't think I should have done that. Can you? I don't like the way that I was breathing. It was into the particularly, mic. I don't know, rude. It's I the like Canadian. The one where she was like, I don't know if I should tell this story. Uh, once I got pulled over and was accused of using pot, but I hadn't been at all, and I never have. <laughs> Okay, I, I admit it was pretty innocuous, all things considered. Well, she just takes it to the next, to the logical conclusion, like, you can edit it out, so you will. <laughs> yeah, whereas I kind of, actually, Aline and I were talking about this a little bit yesterday. Uh, I tend to not really think and just throw stuff out there um, that might be a little bit uh, too much information. And she's like, oh, I don't know. I uh, didn't take a shower today. I don't know if that's uh, kosher to talk about on the podcast. Do you think people could smell me over the internet? Could you edit out the smell? Smell-o-vision. So, yeah, Aline comes down on the exact opposite side of all these vloggers. And I was going to say, well, I, the thing that I realized yesterday is that, like, Tony and I are on two separate ends of the spectrum of, uh, of self-censorship. And so yep. I, I, I see the utility, though, of being honest and not really, like, I don't know, censoring too much what you're saying um, and what content you're putting out there. Most of the time, it's okay. Uh, every once, like, once in a blue moon, someone really won't like it. Um, it just happened in a CBL, or no, not CBL, one of those acronyms that I've forgotten at this point. Um, oh. But we were in a small group, and it was an ethics group. So the faculty member was talking about the situation, and I forget what it was, but no one was talking. And she was like, you know, what what should we do with this patient? And I let about 30 seconds go by with silence. And then I said, I don't know, corporal punishment? And then everyone started laughing, and she just (laughs) glared at me and had it in for me the rest of the time. So. Every once in a while, I'll run into a Scrooge, but most of the time, it seems to be okay. And that's actually kind of a good message to bring out, because if you're, as you said, if you're comfortable with that level of risk, you know, fine. I mean, I am more or less usually often sometimes comfortable with the fact that not everybody's going to love me. Mm-hmm. Do you know right. what I'm saying? Um, and that it might affect in some small way my life. 
But but if if other people don't like you, how do you know if you should like you? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's wow. uh, a very zen question. Well, now I feel like crap. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I like you, Dave. Thank you, Mark. You're all right. <laughs> um, there is another article I found. Um, this was this one was in the Journal of Graduate Medical Education, um, and it had some recommendations for social media searches by program directors. Um, they suggested that applicants that that programs should be explicit. Tell applicants upfront that you search social media if that is what you do. Mm. The searches should be done by someone other than the program director. Um, the searches should be random or they should be everybody. Hmm. They shouldn't just be cherry picked. Uh, reports on search results should only be based on a set of unequivocal offenses to prevent potential bias. Mm. Um, and they should allow applicants to explain anything that's found in, oh, that's reasonable. A, in the search. That um, would never happen, though. Probably yeah, I feel not, like yeah. by that time... You know, I would, the other thing I was thinking about with this in, in relation to that is, so it's typical that, you know, you go on your, if you're invited to do, to a residency program for an interview, you will also meet your co, possible co-residents, mm -hmm. right? And if your program director doesn't search the web for you, they sure might. Mm. In fact, future applicants, future staff applicants to the Office of Student Affairs and Curriculum, be warned, it is my habit to search. If, I know, if, I, if, if I'm on your, <laughs> if I happen to be on your search committee, it is my habit to search for you on the internet. But I that's- mean, I feel like that's just kind of common sense. It's just what I do. I'm a nosy person. <laughs> I have a great story. I don't, it's, it's like, I like, I just want to know more about you, you know. This is yeah, and, and so the, uh, and so if this happens, online dating thing, and that's how I met my girlfriend now. You and you, um, you searched for her outside of. Oh, okay. You met her online in an online dating thing. Yeah. Okay, got it. Um, but yeah, before I would go on a date with anyone, I would Google search them. I'd try to find their Facebook um, <laughs> because I'd never done the online dating thing, and I was like, this is super weird. Um, and I ended up finding stuff with her, but it like made it made her more like intriguing to me. Like I found this video of her doing a like a quasi game show thing at her local Hy-Vee. <laughs> and it was hilarious. Did she have permission to do that? What's that? Did she have permission to do a game show in her Hy-Vee? Well, she was like on it. She was getting asked questions to win the gift certificate or something. Um, <laughs> so, so it ended up going how, in her favor because it was really funny and she was very adorable. How but, often does that happen, though? Like, usually I search for things and I don't find anything. One time I found yeah. one time I found somebody's you know website about how they were a, a, a medium contacting the spirits. But no. usually I just find nothing. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. You you found like a whole video where she's cute and yeah. I mean, if um, it... she couldn't find like pretty much. She didn't find anything on me because I am I have all my Facebook stuff very you know guarded to yeah. anyone that isn't my friend. Yeah. So as far as the residency programs go, it's like I'm not gonna. Everyone does this like name change thing around interview. Yeah. Season. Which and I hate, by the way, because I, I can never tell who you are after that. <laughs> yeah, really. I don't know. I don't see the point in it. I don't have anything to hide. If they want to see adorable pictures of me and my nephew, they can see adorable pictures of me and my nephew. I want to see I, I think it was University of Michigan for medical school asked uh, in their secondary, uh, you know, if we were to look up your Facebook, what would we see? And one of the things I did was like, I don't know, it's just part of my life, things that I enjoy. And then I just linked my Facebook like in there. Nice. Like, Go for Smart. it. I'll add you. Nice. That'd be kind of cool. Every once in a while, um, I think, you know, is there anything on my Facebook that people would find objectionable? The problem is, is that I've been on Facebook since 2005, almost since it was a uh -huh. thing. I can't remember what's on there. I don't remember. Do I do remember. 
Sorry, go ahead. Uh-huh. Keep going, keep going, keep going. I do remember that um, as my five-year high school reunion ended, um, people found out that I was on Facebook. I, was, I, I wasn't much of anybody in high school, but people found out that I was on Facebook, and all of a sudden everybody started like following me um, because I said weird things on Facebook. Apparently, I said very weird things. You didn't. You didn't follow people back then. You you friended them. You did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then but, you'd post on their wall. Yes, yes. They were called walls once upon a time. Yes, they were. None of this newsfeed business. <laughs> um, Do you that, remember when you could draw things on people's walls? You could draw. Yeah, there was like uh, like the you know the place where you post or like write a thing. At one point, they had a like a you know, a really low key version of paint. Paint is pretty low key, but <laughs> like paint built into a person's profile and you could do like, you know, oh. stick figure drawings. How many penises were drawn so many, on people's walls? So many dongs. That's, dongs for days. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, That's probably they, they why it went away. They made an actual internet bathroom stall is what they did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I missed the poke. Uh, you still can around. still do that. I yeah. know, I know, but nobody, Classic nobody does it anymore. You know. Um, I'm going to poke the hell out of you, Dave. No, oh, <laughs> I, I, I look forward to it. Just electronically, though. Yeah. Right? Now that Tony and Mark have both uploaded themselves <laughs> to, to the cloud, that's all they can do. Yeah. Well, at least for the next week, for me. Oh, Mark you're going to all the way in California. You're going to re-implant your consciousness into your old body, or are you going to pick a new one? I don't know. I haven't decided yet. The old one was pretty, pretty sweet. That's true. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'll contact that uh, medium you were talking about and see what they have to say. Yeah. Do you have any mm-hmm. recommendations for my ancestors? She'd be one to talk to. Yeah. The podcast Death, Sex and Money launched a like dating series for the summer. And so like every so often they'll have an episode about dating. And they were interviewing people about online dating, like this relatively new phenomenon and how it affects, you know, the mystique of dating and whatnot. And I was just thinking about this one girl who was like 21, 22 in college and was talking about how like when she was when she would be at a party, like she would see someone that she thought was, you know, attractive that she'd want to talk to in a romantic way. But first she would go on Tinder and then use like the geolocating function to see you know if they also had a profile then they would show up on that and then she could see if you know if they were romantically interested in women or men or both whatever like she would make her plan of attack in real time before she approached this (laughs) person insane isn't that crazy why is she not in the military i don't know she should (laughs) (laughs) she should be like leading people into battle with that type of she will soon be recruited, actually, by yeah. the CIA. I'm sure she already has been, actually. Yeah, Saddam Hussein would have been caught a few few days earlier. Yeah, if only he was on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh wait, I have another story. Jeez. So I don't know if we're um, worthy. I'm but. chock full of story. Well, have you liked the ones so far? <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I think the real question at this point is, is it appropriate for this podcast? Oh, it's 100 percent appropriate. And I guarantee I won't ask you guys to edit it out. We'll see. Can, can so, we have okay, a spinoff okay. podcast, <laughs> just like a lean story hour? <laughs> yeah, it'll I'm be okay it'll be this. it'll be 30 seconds long because of all the edits she had. Go ahead. All right. So, so Dave knows about this. I don't know how many people I've told, but um, I do a little bit of stand up on the side at uh, an open mic downtown. What? And um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't do it a whole lot. I've only done it a couple of times, but that I That is the to, best reaction to that news. Oh, the what? What? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes sense, right? I do this. So I really like joking around and messing around with funny people can we talk about this after the podcast i have so many questions so many questions yeah definitely um so it's an interesting group of people like really people who kind of live on the fringe of society kind of you know like very unconventional um and so you know i was telling my parents about it and the couple of times i went you know i had someone in the audience film me so that i could you know critique myself afterwards because that's just the type of nerd that i am oh god and yeah 
And so I know, I know, I know that's going to make, I knew that would make you cringe. Like the idea of doing it and then the idea of being filmed doing it. Yeah. But it's really interesting. Um, Calculating your laughs per minute after what? <laughs> <laughs> Great went down. I mean, I just look at my body language. Like I, I look like a more nervous and awkward person, even more awkward and nervous on stage than I am in real life. Mm. But anyway, I sent them to my family and like they really enjoyed it. And then my dad was like, okay, cool, but don't send it to anyone else. For the exact reason that we were talking about, that his reasoning was, you know, when you become a doctor, will people take you seriously knowing that, you know, you goof off in your spare time or that you, you know, like all, all of my bits are like pretty clean cut. They're not bathroom or You don't work or, blue. Mm-mm. No blue. <laughs> All the opposite Jayden's, of blue. Jaden's breaking out the industry lingo. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But yeah, my dad said the same thing. He was like, he was like, you know, don't spread that around. Don't put it on the internet because, like, when you become a doctor, it might hurt your credibility. Uh, so, I, that is my reaction to that. I want that to bit stand of up, no, no offense. <laughs> I certainly mean no offense to your dad. He may well be right. I don't know. I mean, he's he's a generation above me, right? Or behind me or however you want to think of it. And so, like, he's more old fashioned than the average person our age. But wouldn't you want a doctor who is human, for instance? Wouldn't you want a colleague who is human? Go ahead. Here's an interesting litmus test. Uh, Ken Jeong, uh, OB-GYN from Texas, I believe, who is uh, in The Hangover and a bunch of other movies. Yeah. So he did stand up on the side. Yeah. What What are your views of him? I don't know him. I've seen him naked. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I mean, he jumps out of a trunk completely naked, uh, and I believe starts beating the you know main characters with a tire iron or something. I think. Uh, well, I mean, look at somebody else you might be familiar with. Uh, 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 what's Ke- Doctor Kevin? No, Doctor Zog, MD. Yeah. Is that who I'm, right. is that oh, who Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah. Z Dog, Z Dog. Z Dog. Z Dog. Yeah. Something like that. Um he's uh he's a YouTuber, I think. Um puts funny videos out. Um I don't think of I think he's relatively popular. I don't think he's suffered any harm from doing this. Um he's sometimes just ridiculously silly, sometimes he's you know, more uh, I don't know. Content Insi- he, insightful into political events too. Yeah, yeah. He, he does those those things. Yeah. Um, I think that balance is important. I think the whole foam ed, you know, free online access to medical education right. movement has right. a lot of those types of individuals that kind of skirt the line of providing academic content, political commentary, and then just little windows into humor. Yeah. It's a good thing. Yeah, I think so. Uh wow, Amari, you certainly got us going on <laughs> that. that. Was a good question. Yeah, but I just learned so much about Aline. So yeah. thank you, Amari. <laughs> Have you ever been heckled? Um, no, never. No. I don't it's think a, it's a doesn't really sound like that. Pride. Crowd. Yeah. That's yeah. about to change. <laughs> <laughs> I never should have told Jaden this. Jaden shows up at the next one. Get off the stage, Waldo. <laughs> he'll show up with like a giant sign that says "boo," and he'll be saying "boo." <laughs> For extra emphasis, I secretly just want to try it out with you. It oh, sounds dude, you really fun. Amazing. Here's what yeah. I think you should do in your act. Yeah. Uh, look up people's Tinder profiles in the audience. In the room. <laughs> <laughs> that roast him on the spot. That would kill. <laughs> Maybe not good for that person. Who's in the room, that's but great. you know, that's one person out of the whole audience. That's great. Just browsing like, oh, this joker. All right, where are you? Okay. Let's let's get cracking. <laughs> Blam. Both <laughs> barrels. All right, we gotta move on to another question. Okay. Uh Jordan reached out. Jordan, by the way, thank you, Jordan. You have contributed to the upcoming med school success med student success cookbook a Ooh. recipe. You have posted a review and gotten a key, co- key fob for your troubles. 
Um, and then you sent in a question, this one. First off, I just want to say I love the podcast and appreciate all of the great content you all share with listeners. My name is Jordan and I am a rising junior pre-med student studying at the University of Maryland. I wanted to ask you all if you have any advice for volunteer slash clinical slash research experience that will not only teach me a lot, but will make my application stand up to a committee. Once again, thanks for all the great tips and insight. You're welcome. I don't know about great, but we do our best. Uh, what do you guys think about this question? Great um, experiences for pre-meds that will also look good on an application. Can I lead it off with one theme? Yeah. Just do something you're interested in. Mm-hmm. Something you want to do. Amen. And something you're passionate about. Yep. yep. We've said it before on the show. Don't do just check check boxes. Sounds like he wants to do something, you know, good for him, and uh, good for him in in his brain. You know, <laughs> that's a great way to put that. He wants to do something good for his brain and something good for his application. Nice. Uh, I was just gonna say I agree, obviously with Jane, um, that like people should do stuff that's interesting, but you know. On top of that, I would take that a step further and say, like, basically anything can be a meaningful experience, depending on how, you know, you describe it exactly. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be medical or research oriented, but, you know, this is a people based profession and, you know, dealing with people and interacting with people and dealing with their emotions and helping them through their emotions is 90 percent of the job. And so any experience that involves dealing with people is valuable and meaningful. And so, like, you know, don't put, I built a log cabin in the middle of the woods. Like, that, actually, even that, actually. I, no. Yeah, that I was going to disagree cool. with yeah. you. That yeah. I would want to talk further yeah. with someone that has built their own log cabin. Yeah. The turnaround uh, of my opinion on my own statement was, like, <laughs> like a nanosecond. I was like, wait a sec. That's a great idea. I'll edit that out. No, no, no. <laughs> that's a good one. I like that. Uh Actually, if this person is at the University of Maryland, Jordan, was it? Yeah. So uh, depending on what campus they're on, like NIH, it's right in your neighborhood. Good point. Go shadow there or try to get a post back there. Good point. I agree with uh, what Jaden and Aline have said. Um, Doesn't, in my mind, it doesn't really matter what someone does. I mean, if he wants to get more, uh, you know, education then i think something in research would be cool um but honestly as long as you're passionate about it and can talk even if it is something like building a cabin in the woods but you can talk about how that experience was i don't know a reflective one or helped change your outlook on things i I don't know i feel like there's a, a way to integrate almost anything into an application uh, something like that might actually help you stand out more than just being like, I, I did research for a year. Yeah. Everybody's um, good. Yeah. You're right. Because I mean, a lot of applicants are going to do shadowing. Well, they have to do shadowing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them are going to do research. A lot of them are going to do, I don't know, what else? What are the, those are like the two, like almost stereotypical. Volunteering. Volunteering. Yeah. Um, I have a, th- I have a couple of thoughts. Um, number one, scribe. Mm. Uh, look into being a scribe. There are national organizations, national companies that look for scribes, and then you can get your, it's sort of like a combo shadowing slash patient interaction slash, you know, like it it covers a lot of ground, I think. And it also means that you are part of a functioning healthcare system. So that might be something to look at. Um... The second one I was thinking about was getting involved in STEM education, science, technology, engineering, math, get involved in, you know, volunteer to an organization that does that. Because one of the things that, and if, and if it turns out you love that, um, if you haven't done it before and it turns out that you love that, um, you may continue that during med school um, because a lot of, I mean, there's, there are many opportunities, at least here, to do STEM education um, as a med student. 
Um, and then that looks great on residency applications as well because they want to know that you can teach. Mm-hmm. And that would be one of the signifiers mm-hmm. of teaching. Mm-hmm. Sound good? I would say just yeah. the two general rules are do something you enjoy. And uh, you mentioned standing out in applications. Uh, what really stands out isn't having a particular experience. It's the depth of your experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you do something for several years and learn a lot and really are able to take something from it, that's what makes you stand out. And can articulate that, especially on the secondary application. We talked about that maybe a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Uh, or maybe it was last week. I can't remember. Um, just being able to articulate what it is you learned and what it is you got out of it is going to be really helpful to your to your application. Rather than just saying, you know, I volunteered with a STEM education yeah, organization. Bad writing can make even the most experience seem boring yeah. and useless. Yeah. Whereas like the best writing can make even the most mundane things <laughs> seem cool and exciting. Yeah. It really highlights the utility of creative writing in medicine. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. It's maybe not emphasized enough. We really put a lot of emphasis on like, you know, math and science, which obviously you, you have to have down to be a successful doctor, but also just having like a good vocabulary and being able to express yourself and like communicate concepts and ideas yeah. in a way that's digestible by the people in front of you is important. Yep. Kate McKenzie from our admissions department had some uh, thoughts on this topic as well. Um, Shadow mostly physicians. You can also shadow exclusively physicians if you want. But don't, there have been occasions where um, they've had applicants who have shadowed only, for instance, PTs Mm -hmm. or only PAs, which kind of might cause an admissions committee to go, okay, why no physicians? What's that about? Do they really want to be be a physical therapist or a physician assistant? Mm. Um, you know, so and, and also diversify your experiences. Don't just shadow one kind of physician. If you know, if you're looking for shadowing experiences, um, if you want to, if you want to be a radiologist, that's great. That's fine. If you already know that coming in, okay. But don't just shadow radiologists. Um. Make sure you Particularly get... Particularly because that is a horrible specialty to, sh- to shadow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. It is like... It, it's like watching someone play video games, but the video <laughs> game is them looking at a picture. It's the worst <laughs> video game ever. It's like I can get it... Like if someone's played a video game and they're good at it, I, I could watch them play for a bit. Yeah. But yeah, it's like watching someone watch paint dry it's yeah. the worst twitch stream ever <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> not to diss on radiology because I, yeah. I love imaging but yeah it's it's horribly horribly boring to to just watch well and, and it it's also you know not a patient care not a direct patient interaction situation it's not representative I mean, speaking of, of speaking of being articulate yeah, echoing what Aline said, it's the, uh, you know, putting people first in the communication. You know, the expectation is that you haven't done anything amazing or some, you know, massive research project, although that's super cool if you have, but uh, the ability to connect with human beings and just communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that those are the highest yield and good skills to build in general. 100%. The thing if I, I can gonna... put a plug in for one yeah. thing. Um, so... One thing I've seen on a lot of applications that I'm, I really enjoy, there's two actually, but the first one that I was actually thinking about. Uh, back in the 80s, when Reagan made uh, hospice care um, a Medicare-eligible thing to be paid, yeah. uh, there's a requirement that, I believe it's 5 or 10% of their work must be community-driven by volunteers. So there's actually a profound need because for them to stay Medicare-eligible, they have to have volunteers. So you're providing a huge community service that will be very uh, impactful to the individual, to the volunteer, and then also to the organization in terms of just keeping it alive. Yeah. So I'm always, uh, somebody mentioned that, and again, the power of writing and articulating, you know, that was their motivation at first, and then growing it into the things that they uh, gained from the conversations was just 
I mean, I was blown away by it. It stuck with me to this day. Awesome. That's an awesome suggestion. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one I've read not to hang your hat on um, is overseas medical mission trips in mm-hmm. which you claim to have cared for people outside of your expertise. Um, and perhaps even overseas medical mission trips in general, unless you really want to do that, you know, don't do it because you think it looks good on application as usual, our standard advice applies, Mm -hmm. but unless you can articulate why you did it and what you got out of it and you don't try to claim that you saved this village in you know, some remote part of the world. Wakanda. By, by being in Wakanda. <laughs> Wakanda. They didn't need, they don't need your help in Wakanda. No. Don't try They're to go on a medical apparently. mission to, to Wakanda. <laughs> You'll be like, I don't know, why didn't they return my email? Wakandans <laughs> come volunteer here, actually. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Two of them in particular. Yeah. I was, uh, this is definitely an aside. Um, I was super excited though, because I'm a huge uh, Chicago Bulls fan. And the guy that we drafted on draft night, he wore this like thing, like a shoulder, I don't know what you would even call it, like a, like a sash type of thing. And then it was like a Wakanda forever thing. And I was super excited about it. Um, so yeah, you're, you're, that had no relevance, but you're I was a big, excited. <laughs> so I thought I'd hear. One of the signs of being a big nerd is injecting unrelated anecdotes into conversations that's what i'm here for <laughs> especially <laughs> graphic I'm not here novel. For the intelligence i'm here to provide some comedic uh idiotic relief <laughs> <laughs> um so anything else anybody wants to say about this can i say something about the international trips yeah, yeah. uh i took one to belize and it was great but it's exactly like you said you're i didn't do anything Right. Yeah. It was a learning experience. Yeah. Um, and what I took from it was being able to watch physicians that were trained in Cuba and Brazil practice medicine in these low resource settings. And as someone that, you know, grew up in the U.S., that was I learned an incredible amount. Um, so, yeah, I think there's there can be value there, but it's. Yeah, it's exactly like you said. You just have to understand you're not you're not saving. You're not lives. there to practice yeah. medicine. Yeah, That's not there, what you are. Yep, you're there to watch and learn. And if you're, you know, if you're doing stuff, if they allow you to practice medicine or encourage you to practice medicine on these trips, don't do it. 100% agree. Yeah. yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. You uh, have the ethical responsibility to say no. That's right. I can't Absolutely. Do that. yeah. That's right. There's so much potential there for it to be like organically useful for everyone involved. But I feel like we gain the most from going to these foreign countries and Mm -hmm. seeing, you know, different ways to practice medicine, whereas it's not really a dramatic improvement over the everyday baseline access to care that some of these people have. Right. Um, But if you do go, I I 100 percent agree with Jane, like just go and listen and watch and journal about it, but do not get involved because you are not trained. I mean, unless you have a certification of some sort or you have a degree in nursing or whatever it is, maybe. But, you know, I've heard of people like going to foreign countries and then helping with surgeries without having had proper like aseptic technique (laughs) training. And it made me chafe because, yeah, it's that like there's a reason why we have regulations that prevent that here because mm-hmm. it puts people's lives at risk. And yeah. just because they're poor and disadvantaged doesn't mean that they have any less right to good care or as good a care as we can provide. So, and, and, um, admissions committees are on guard for this thing about that. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're, they're paying attention in, in many cases. Mm. Uh, got one more question. Uh, Richard is worried about getting those vital clinical experiences that we just talked about. He's worried about his ability to do that uh, before med school. Let's hear from Shy Richard. Hi, Dave and company. I've been hooked on the show since the first episode I listened to and I've been going through the backlog trying to get my fix. 
You guys always seem like you are having a blast while recording, and still make the show feel educational. I'm hoping to be a non-traditional student in a few years. After graduating next year I'll be working as a clinical lab scientist for the university hospital for a few years, and I wanted to use that to gain relevant clinical experience and to make connections with, as well as shadow, practicing physicians. However, I'm a pretty shy person and I'm really bad at asking others for help. In addition, I feel like in general the lab is usually pretty isolated and antisocial. How do you guys go about making those connections with other medical professionals and get to a point where you feel comfortable asking favors from people who are obviously incredibly busy and doing such important work? Do you feel like there is enough of a connection and communication between lab techs, doctors, nurses, and all the health professions? Excellent question. I'm glad we have two people who work regularly in labs on the show today. But he's working in a clinical lab, right? Yeah. Is his situation. Did he say... Yeah, he did yeah. say clinical lab. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. What do you guys think, though, from your perspective as bench lab people? It, it varies um, yeah. with every situation. My boss for this particular um, summer is an MD, uh, so I have the opportunity to work with her quite often. Um, and then it just entirely depends on the lab, how much interaction you're going to have with healthcare professionals versus um, research mm -hmm. scientists. Elaine, your PI is a PhD, mm -hmm. um, not an MD. An MD, PhD. On the um, other hand, he's heavily involved in the curriculum Yes. Here, so he has himself a lot of access to um, MDs, and maybe could point you in the right direction if you, yep, if you needed some, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, and to add to that, he he really cares a lot about medical education, and he's very heavily involved in that. And I think that's like, like mentoring students is actually like one of his favorite parts of his job. Mm. So those people exist. You just have to kind of find them where they are and you put some feelers out there and if people take you up on like you could even just start with like hey you know I'm so and so I was wondering if I could um I was wondering if I could take you out for coffee and pick your brain a little bit you know maybe don't make it sound as much like uh, you're asking someone out as I just did <laughs> but you know like hey you know could I buy you a coffee and pick your brain some morning um, hi your ass looks really good in those jeans and <laughs> <laughs> that's always a good way to go always compliment their body when you want to <laughs> your eyes are beautiful I was about to ask you something but I just got lost <laughs> in your great hair <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Yeah, labs can be very isolating though. Mm -hmm. I will agree with that. Um and it really depends on the institutional culture. I uh wanted also to address the shyness part. Mm. Oh yeah. of this question. Mm -hmm. I feel like we haven't heard from the AI in a while. Let's see what nice. what do you guys think about that? Yeah. Well, one more thing that I think about, thank you for the deference, Tony. Mm -hmm. so we actually are one mind. Uh, the hive mind. I'm, I'm really yeah. just securing yeah. my position but, in the future um, robot overlord society yeah. that is inevitably going to be established. So remember this. Right. When so you guys a question before here. you guys get started. Did you ascend to the cloud to avoid human interaction? Or... Yeah, it's because I'm really shy. Okay, good, good. Experts then. Yeah. Um, I think with the shine, the big thing that I think about, uh, and this is just a general life thing, but starting with medicine first, is nobody, nobody is able to succeed in professionalism or anything without the help of others. Um, you know, n I, I don't think any medical student or physician could say they got there 100% on their own. It's just not possible. It's through the kindness and mentoring and assistance of awesome people that have walked the paths before. Mm -hmm. And a part of reality is, uh, you know, putting yourself out there. It's not comfortable sometimes, but the individuals that advocate for themselves and are willing to latch, not necessarily, I don't want to say latch on, but, you know, kind of seek those opportunities, they're going to get more, not because they are more, you know, necessarily, you know, more socially, uh, finessing a situation or anything but just the fact that they asked um because i don't know i look back at the people that have helped me and if someone were to ask me for assistance i'm excited i'm like yeah absolutely like yeah 
I'd love to do for you what so many people did for me and made this possible. I think Alina and I, we talked about this once of like the power of mentoring, I think was one of the uh, uh, podcast episodes we talked about. And mm -hmm. it's just, to me, that's what this falls under is you need to find the right person. Uh, but at the same time, it's, it's putting yourself out there and asking. Um, it's hard and it is biased towards the extrovert for sure. But uh, definitely a worthy endeavor. I think to make yourself feel more comfortable, uh, Richard, you know, it's pretty much understanding that people who people like to people just like to talk about themselves and what they do yeah. and who they are. And, you know, you can take I mean, I and I don't mean that in a sort of an egotistical way. I mean, people just it's just a natural thing. You know, I mean, why do we have a podcast? Because we, we like to talk about ourselves, <laughs> you know, and what we're doing and what we're experiencing and what we're you know, and, and, you know, we even say that we even think that we have good advice for people, which is why we're answering your question. So, you know, don't underestimate that. Um, people actually want to talk about themselves. And then a section, a, a subset of those people, um, really do want to help other people do what they did. Yeah. I, uh, when I was in my twenties, um, I remember sometimes feeling like I couldn't ask uh, for help. Oh, for sure. I'm totally with you. Um, and it was really shocking to me. Um, I mean, I didn't, I didn't really take that long to start asking for help because I needed it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, but when I started asking for help, I was surprised at how many people actually wanted to. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. And... Also, I'm not above the just random email approach. Uh, there were many times that I would send a faculty member an email and say, hi, like, this is who I am. I was reading about your research or blah, 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 and would really appreciate, you know, any insight or even emailing like that about um, shadowing. Funny story, uh, when I was at, working at Northwestern, um, I ended up, I emailed someone, a faculty member there, because I thought I was going to go into psych. And he was a transplant psychiatrist. I was like, that sounds cool. I, I don't, never heard of that before. So I emailed this guy and basically said, I'm interested. Um, would I be able to come and shadow you? So he responded pretty much right away and said, yeah, no problem. So I did. I went in and shadowed him. And then afterward, he sent me an email and said, you know, thanks so much um, for reaching out. Um, you were the first person from your class to contact me and, you know, let other classmates of yours know that, you know, I'm, I'm very willing to have people come shadow. Mm -hmm. And here's the kicker. He thought that I was in Northwestern's medical school yeah, I was about because to say. he had just given a presentation to them and said, contact me if you want a shadow. And I emailed him right after he got done, coincidentally. Um, and when I told him I wasn't in med school yet, he was like, oh, uh, yeah, we shouldn't have done that then. Don't let anyone know that he shadowed me. <laughs> Nice. So you'll run into weird, uh, serendipitous turns of events like that, that uh, you have no business being in, potentially. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I've, I've actually gotten a lot of research experience and other experience from just out of the blue, reading up on random people's research and emailing them. Yeah. I don't think anyone really responds poorly. The worst case scenario is they don't respond at all. Yeah, I'm going to get the last word on this, which is that um, Richard, uh, you may want to do something to get over your fear of asking or whatever your problem with asking people for help. Medical school is a trying experience. Mm -hmm. There are going to be many times or there are potentially many times when you're going to need uh, help, not just with studying, but with emotional assistance, with um just any number of things that become a challenge hygiene hygiene <laughs> yeah, okay. guys do i smell bad today because <laughs> i forgot to put on deodorant <laughs> yes 
uh, all of those things. Um, so you're going to want to, you're, you're going to want to do something, maybe, maybe, uh, seek out a coach or something for a couple sessions, mm-hmm. a personal coach to sort of help you, you know, if the problem is really that serious and it could be, um, you know, do something to, to ameliorate that situation ahead of time. Can Ooh, I good word. $10 mm-hmm. word there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I took the I SATs. Like <laughs> um, I think it's worth sitting down like talking to Richard, it's worth sitting down and figuring out like what specifically makes you uncomfortable about asking for help. You know, do you, are you afraid of exposing gaps in your knowledge? Are you afraid of rejection? Like if he invests the time to like really hone in on like what exactly gives him anxiety, what need is not being met there. And then he can actually figure out how to overcome that obstacle because like, I'm not I can't relate because I'm shameless about emailing and calling Are people. You? Cold calling, absolutely. Yeah, no, I can relate to to Richard. Yeah, I, I, Alina I, and I are always uh, always think we're like very similar in how we approach the world and see the world. <laughs> in this case, total opposites. Really? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. No, I'm with I'm with Richard. I think I once upon a time I was, but many many experiences have taught me the utility of just taking that chance and it's panned out so many times that now I'm just a true believer. I just do it as an example. Um, I have been trying to branch out in my project and I read up on a technique that I, you know, was going to try for myself, but it wasn't totally clear, you know, how it worked. And so I found someone at the university who is involved in this type of, of work um, and uses these methods. And so I found, you know, his email and I was composing the email. And then I don't know what came over me, but I decided to just call him instead of emailing him. And to my surprise, he actually picked up the phone. And uh, he was like, uh, hello. And I was like, just stage fright, phone stage fright set in. I was like, my name oh, is, uh, what was my name again? Yeah. I was like, uh, so my name is Aline. I'm a grad student here. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to look at blah, blah, methylation of DNA. And I see that you work in this area. And so I was going to email you about this technique and if you could orient me a little bit. And on the spot, he was like, OK, so here's what we do. And here's how we looked at it. And you should look up this paper. It has all the uh, technical details that you want. And let me know if you have any questions. I mean, he spent probably 20 minutes talking to me on the phone about this technique and gave me all the inf- like what would have taken me f- like three or four days of, you know, reading the literature and trying to understand, you know, how to do this and also how to get the reagents. He did in 20 minutes. And then after that, later on in the, in the day, he actually sent me another paper that had like already designed primers. So I don't know if anyone, you know, who's listening has done primer design, but it is such a pain in the neck. It's just black magic. Oddly, I have not done primer design. Yeah. So there are the rules and you follow the rules and nine times out of 10, it doesn't work. And then you have to go back and redesign them. And so he sent me a paper with primers already designed for the region that I wanted to probe for. And I was thrilled. So there's so much to gain and it's kind of low risk because I think as we've said here, very few people are going to react negatively. You know, maybe you just won't get a reply and it's not because they don't care. It's just that they have other priorities or they're busy. So, or it could be that they don't care, but who cares if they don't care? Yeah. Then you're probably better off not working with that person. They're they're probably not going to reply and go, Hey, dumbass, (laughs) (laughs) I have other things to do. Okay. So stop emailing me. (laughs) Don't call me. I don't want to be your friend. Hat tip to Arisa. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, no, that's not going to happen. Damn it, Aline, I wanted to get the last word. I guess I kind of did. I wanted to get the last word in, and then you put words in. You didn't get the last word at all. Aline did. Yeah. If there's anybody out there still listening, don't forget to contribute your favorite recipes for the med student success cookbook that we're putting together. Go to theshortcoat.com, look for the orange send in a recipe button to add your delight. I'll send you, I'll even send you an SCP key fob if you include your contact info. And every contributor gets a free copy of the final cookbook whenever that comes out. Contributors like Second Scalpel's Sweet Protein Nuts, Christina's Pumpkin Spice Overnight Oats, and E-Buck's Dog Vomit Dip. Dog Vomit Dip. Yes. For real? These are all... Actual, it's not actual dog vomit. Yeah, no, Tony. it's well, no, like, I know this, but who would name a food 
dog vomit dip. I don't know, but there's an ice cream named Moose Tracks. Yeah. Don't tell me that doesn't sound like moose poop. There's a no, there's a beer <laughs> called Moose Drool. No, no. When I saw that, I was like, what a terrible name for a delicious, delicious snack. No, I was just like, oh, the moose is leaving footprints. That's adorable. Uh, yeah, there's Moose Drool. I'm gonna Moose Drool beer. I'm gonna mm-hmm. make a beer. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna make a beer like, called. I can tell you that I don't piss. care how good it is. I probably would never try dog vomit. All right, isn't that just bush light? I think. <laughs> <laughs> how many? You can <laughs> also get a key fob. <laughs> you can also get a key fob by submitting a review or talking us up among your online med student communities, and then sending us a screenshot to the shortcodes at gmail.com, just like Jordan did. In addition to sending his question this past week, we'd. We'll be putting a link to all of the topics we've discussed in this episode show notes at theshortcode.com. But for now, that is our show. Guys, thank you for joining me, especially you people who have uploaded yourselves to the internet. You are welcome. Uh, and thank you listeners for making us part of your week if you like what you heard today we hope we've earned your subscription not only do we give out free key fobs but we give out free advice as you have just heard might be good advice so send your questions or whatever you like to the shortcuts at gmail.com or you can leave us a message at 347shortct we'll talk about it in the show and oh my gosh there's more. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine student government ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox, and our closing music is by Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week. 